Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of uh, Humanity First. And this week, we have some exciting news to share with you, and we have some wonderful guests on the show. So I'll start with our guests, and uh, we have Kathy Anderson, our VP, who is returning to the show for the third or fourth time. So I think you're a veteran of the podcast. So welcome, Kathy. Thank you, Peter. We also have Catherine Martin, who is uh, actually at the moment a parent coordinator at our PIN program. Uh, good to have you with us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And last but not least, Tara Freitas, who is also a parent coordinator at the PIN program. But we're actually here to talk about the Young Adult Access Center that many people don't know anything about. Uh, It's been a well-kept secret Um, over the past few months as we have been successful in um, acquiring uh, the contract from the um, Department of Mental Health. And I will say that our reputation with the Department of Mental Health is uh, for kids is uh, well, for adults as well. It's yeah, really adults. good, mm-hmm. uh, but for kids has always been incredibly strong. And um, I will say that my I've been around in this kind of work for a long time, but was privileged to be in at the beginning of the pin. Uh, contract with DMH many years ago, and um, I'm really proud to be associated with that program and um, and the work that it does, and um, uh, just well worth a shout out, I think. But let's move on because we're talking about the Young Adult Access Center, and we'll start, I think, by just asking the question: What is this? Why is it necessary? Um, and you know, what are some of the fundamental principles of opening a center that is for and by uh, young people who are emerging um, adults? Um, we use many expressions like transitional age youth and um, um, those kind of expressions. It's really interesting, I think, in the, the, the literature at the moment talks about the onset of full adulthood being later nowadays. Um, I think um, there's work out of um, Clark University that looks at age 26 as this so, sort of full maturation into adulthood. Then we look at our systems, and our systems don't really reflect that. They reflect children's services. They reflect adult services um, and transitional services. I think this is a move in the right direction in terms of uh, the, the young people that we're, that we're treating. So, Kathy, can I start with you conceptually because sure. I know that you are very much involved in the writing of this. Sure. Yes, um, you're absolutely right, Peter. This is designed for 16 to 26-year-olds, and there certainly has been a long-standing kind of history, as you said, of siloing sort of the, the children's services from the adult services, and what we've been finding is there's a number of young adults that are really falling through the cracks. They don't really have the supports they need to transition from that child-serving system to the adult-serving system. And so the idea of this is... First and foremost, it's low barrier. It's in the community, and it's open to anybody. Um, The idea is that we want all young adults to feel comfortable walking through the door and, you know, eventually, when they're comfortable, letting us know if there's some way we can connect them to something they need to help them be successful transitioning into adulthood. Uh, So we are going to be serving the whole southeast, And the actual center itself will be based in Brockton, but we'll have an outreach van and going out into other community areas. We're also going to be starting a virtual uh, leadership council so that young adults right from the beginning can start giving voice to this process. What do they want to see at the center? What do they want the decor to be? What are going to be the rules so everybody feels safe? They're going to be involved and empowered from the very beginning and throughout the process. 
I love that idea. I mean, I think of the re recovery learning centers and I think of clubhouses as well. And these are all sort of adult-based uh, programs where you're empowering people to do things. I would imagine, Tara, that many of the young people that are coming into this program have never had that sort of authority to make some of those decisions. And I, and I guess, who are, we, who are we serving? What's the barriers to entry to this program? And, mm -hmm. and what kind of young people are going to be coming through the doors? So it's designed for ages 16 through 26. Um, and the services are going to be based on need in the communities. But um, essentially, um, they're going to look at executive functioning, um, independent living. What does that look like? How do you keep a job? How do you get a job? Mm -hmm. How do you make a resume? Um, how do you budget your money to live independently? Um, also, education services. A lot of kiddos that are graduating from high school don't realize that they can go to college and be supported. And, and what does that look like? And how do you get that? So I believe that that's going to be a lot of the services that are offered. Yeah. And, Catherine, when we, when we talk about um, some of the difficulties maybe that, that young people are coming um, into the program with, you know, I, I often think about the best chance you know, for a young person to move through into full adulthood comes from, um, you know, a stability in their lives, the ability to have access to education, um, a home life that isn't disruptive, um, you know, uh, good attachments, when all of these things that we're thinking about. Many of these young people will not have had the privilege of that, I'm suspecting. So is there an un underlying sort of... Um, uh, urge to treatment for these young people? No, I'm not saying, I guess the question I'm getting at is, are there any barriers to these folks when they come in to remain in the program? Unfortunately, they are barriers, but I like to call them unfulfilled needs that children have had through the process. One of the first things that came to my mind was um, that these young people were children who were not able to access successful social experiences because perhaps they had mental health or emotional challenges. Mm -hmm. They were not able to access the secondary benefits of things happening at school because they were very busy working on just trying to get through the school day and trying to pass from one grade to the next. So I think a secondary benefit of this, some th a program like this is that we can help young people who did not have necessarily successful experiences in their younger years with peer relationships, with talking about friendships and how to maintain them, with talking about things like Tara mentioned about executive functioning and planning and things of that nature. And another piece of it is when you speak about children who have um, perhaps had trauma or any kind of backward focusing action in their younger lives um, is that they can do this in an area that is not emotionally charged. They can do it with people that they don't necessarily have a history with that might impact negatively on their experience in learning how to do these things, kind of starting with a fresh slate as it were. Yeah, you know, it takes me back to the early days of the peer movement and, um, you know, I, I think I may have told this story once before, but when I was working at Boston Medical Center, we had the one of the first recovery learning centers. What we're talking about here is a transformational moment in the provision of services to people with behavioral health. That is, including people, peers, and people with lived experience 
into the paradigm of the intervention that we're talking about. So very much a shift away from the, you know, I always think about the Eastern European psychiatrist and the person on the on, on the, the bed, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, uh, moving away from that, where, mm -hmm. where, where you're not dictating what people are going to be doing, you're sort of riding on the bus and they're driving it. Uh, and I get that visual from this uh, from this whole notion of, you know, for us, by us. And yes. This idea of, of a council that comes together and makes decisions. Also the dignity of risk, right? We're working with people in an environment where they are going to make poor choices, and yet we can support those folks around that. And I think that's a huge part of this. In the mm. philosophy as well, mm -hmm. am I right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you're, you're right. We are definitely shifting the paradigm, and we hope that with that will come you know, much success for these young people, that they will feel like they have some control back in their life, that they will feel like they can make good decisions, that yes, people make mistakes, they learn from them, and they can move on. And, and that's what it's all about. And I actually was talking to um, one of our peer coordinators over at a recovery learning center, Elizabeth Keeling. And so she um, wanted to come and, and speak herself today. And while she's um, at work and not able to, <laughs> to get away from those duties, she did send me a statement she asked me to read. And I think it's really powerful and it, it does speak to what you're, you're talking about. She said, identifying and accessing needed supports as a transitional youth can be incredibly difficult. When you're in the midst of trying to cope with the various challenges that come with the territory of that age range, knowing where and how to start navigating them can be a daunting task. A program like the Young Adult Access Center can provide a one-stop shop location for resources that youth might not have even known existed or known that they had potential or qualifications for. It can also create a space to connect and network with other local young people and allow for collective support and problem solving of shared challenges. I love that. Mm. Um, I believe, this is Elizabeth saying, I believe uh, programs like the Young Adult Access Center are essential to the emotional, social, and financial success of local young adults. Mm. Well mm. said, Elizabeth. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that captures it. This sort of the, the shared challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't really shy away from the fact that young people. You know, I mean, if, if you think about it, you know, I often think I have three children and they're all sort of grown up now. Um, but you know, the difficult conversations that I was able to have with them weren't necessarily were in another context. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about driving. When you're driving with kids, they're not looking at you, are they? And so you can actually get much more out of them. And yes. I told them that recently, and they felt duped. But, <laughs> but, but creating a place where you can have these conversations that might, you know, begin with talk, talking about, you know, what do you need uh, in terms of budgeting skills or, um, you know, even soft skill development, then I think people are developing a, a relationship with people where they can perhaps um, delve di a little deeper into, you know, the pathway to wellness right. from some of those earlier uh, experiences that perhaps haven't been uh, addressed in the past. So, and I think that's, you know, I think of it as the as the catcher's mitt, you know, that's like mm. the, here are some young people who have not had all the breaks um, and have had some real... You know, I mean, as, especially in an environment where we're talking about parents who, you know, haven't been able to 
uh, be there for, for their kids. I think about the, um, the opioid crisis mm-hmm. as well. All of those things mean that here's a, here's a chance for us to help uh, undo some of those things because there's one thing about uh, youth I think and uh, that we don't talk enough about it's the resilience Absolutely. of young people when they actually do encounter um, somebody who cares about them somebody mm-hmm. who is willing to invest in them so there's all these little advan- uh, these opportunities I would have thought to make those connections mm-hmm. um, and I know Tara that you have some experience with that you know uh, uh, on the other side of the pin program but um, what do you think about that do you do you, do you think that this is um, a way in which that we we can sort of put right some of the things that people haven't ha- been able to take advantage of before I think it'll provide um, a one-stop shop, as um, Kathy quoted, so that there's many different opportunities for these kiddos. I also think that it's an opportunity to meet other people that may have the same challenges as you so that you don't feel so alone. That one kid that maybe didn't have any friends, that doesn't have a job, that doesn't know where to go and what they're doing, will now meet other children that ha- or young adults that have that same um, you know, life experience, and they can kind of collaborate together and help each other move forward. Yeah, again, I think that's one of the things that we underestimate the power of uh, young people getting together and sharing and um, having fellowship. That's a really old expression. (laughs) (laughs) But it's an appropriate one, I think, you know, in terms of how uh, folks can learn from each other, build relationships and go uh, and go out into the world just on a practical basis um, how does somebody end up coming into the program is it a ref- is it an eligibility requirement for it or is it uh, more of an open um, uh, enrollment issue it's absolutely open walk right in um, we we will have probably some kind of a very low barrier sign in process just so we can count how many young people are in the center but other than that um, we aren't going to ask a lot of questions at first because we really just want people to feel comfortable and get kind of their bearings. And in time, as we build some relationships with them, we hope that they'll be able to to let us know a little bit about what's going on and how we can help. And probably some of them will, will get that help just through each other and not even talk to a person who's um, a staff at the center. We are going to be primarily staffed, however, by young adult peer mentors. So these will be young adults trained to be professionals, but to share their own lived experience in a way that can help another young person coming along who've maybe been in their shoes at one time or other. It's just so um, different from the old way of doing things that, you know, we're encounter-based, that there's an eligibility requirement, mm-hmm. and I've always felt that that was um, something that kept many people out because, right. you know, defining... Uh, one thing I've learned in working in uh, mental health for 30 years is you can't define an individual's struggle with mental health. They have to do that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and my frustrations over the, been, over the years is there's often somebody else that's doing that for, yes. for that um, mm-hmm. young person. But... Um, Catherine, do you think there'll be many referrals from PIN parents to this program? There actually already are. <laughs> <laughs> that was a leading question. <laughs> we were able to send the information out to a lot of our families, and we had a lot of interest. Geographically, I'm not sure how it will all sort itself out, but we have a lot of people who are interested just in knowing what kinds of things would be available for their children. Off the top of my head, I have a... a parent who has a child who 
sort of aged out of school, didn't do well, didn't connect with the right services, and he is now looking for something. He didn't receive any transition support at school, and so he's kind of trying to figure out where to go at this point in his life, and she's very interested in connecting him with the Young Adult Center. Um, I know that also there are families who have children who don't have mental health challenges and perhaps a sibling or two with mental health challenges. And I think one of the things I wanted to comment on outside of your question is that this is an opportunity for young people to experience something that is outside their family where they're not perceived in a certain way Mm -hmm. and they can kind of go in as a fresh face and determine how they will go forward from the first day in the Young Adult Access Center. And that's a wonderful thing to think about for them and for all of us. Absolutely. And you must be a veteran because you said, moving away from the question you asked me. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Get your point across. Thank Um, you. Absolutely. I think that's... um, that is something um, that is really important. And, and just going back, to, uh, two things I wanted to ask about. The mobile van, which yes. is um, it, it, it's really it's exciting. Years ago when we opened a uh, emergency psych services up in uh, New Hampshire, the local newspaper, the Concord Monitor, called and said, we wanted to come around and take pictures of the van with like the logo on the side. We, we don't have a van. And it was so funny. They said, well, we're not coming then. <laughs> <laughs> There's more to the story but the mobile van. But tell us about the mobile van. What's going to be, what's going to be happening with that? So the mobile van will, will be mobilizing to the entire southeast. Um, we're going to be reaching out to our network of providers and parents to find out where are the youth hanging out in various areas. Where can we best connect with them? And then we envision this van will be outfitted with things like hygiene kits, um, food, gas cards, um, some tablets with, with a hotspot so that if a y- young person needs help filling out some kind of an application or doing a search for something, the person who is in the van, which will primarily be the young adult peer mentors, um, will be able to help them right on the spot with that. Um, the, the other thing that we think we'll be using the van for is to pick up young people and get them to places. So if we're going to do an event and young people can get themselves maybe to a train station, but from there they need a pickup, or if they can, you know, get dropped off, you know, at the bus, but then somebody else has to come to make that connection, we're going to use the van that way so that more people have access. Um, we'll also be doing some virtual events, so everything won't happen inside the center walls. They'll ha- it'll happen outside in the community where the young people are, where they want to go. Um, so we've already started talking about things like going to a Red Sox game or go, we're going to be going to the beach next week. And um, there'll be probably things like museum trips and bowling and, you know, whatever the young people give us feedback about. We put out a survey um, a couple of weeks ago when we did our, our kickoff and we asked young people to give feedback about what are the things they're interested in doing. Um, and so that was really helpful. But the other thing we asked them is, what should we name our Young Adult Access Center? Because we've been calling it YAC, <laughs> and it just doesn't quite have the ring that we're looking for. And I just want to share with you, Peter, we had some amazing ideas. Um, one of the ones that really bubbled up was All Things Possible. And I thought, what an amazing idea yeah. for a youth center. And that's how I think these young adults are perceiving this possibility. 
Um, and then the Vibe Tribe was another one. <laughs> Tara's daughter uh, actually came up with that one. I don't know if you realized. I did not. Yes, but I loved the Vibe Tribe, I have to admit. It had a very boho kind of yeah, feel to it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just wonderful to hear that we're actually beginning to design programs that are dictate, dictated by the needs of the people. And, you know, when you think about behavioral health over the last two or three hundred years, that's never been. You know, it was, it's, the, it's more society responding to the illness rather than the person who lives with the illness describing an intervention that is, uh, which is best for them and mm-hmm. sort of tailored for them. Mm-hmm. You know, one, uh, la- the other thing I was going to ask was about um, DCF-involved uh, youth and mm-hmm. out-of-home placement youth mm-hmm. because, you know, that population who end up coming out of foster care at 22, mm-hmm. uh, often, and you know, you put yourself in the, in the place of a 22-year-old who's been in care, um, either in residential yeah. care or foster Comes all the lines, um, you know. You're 22. You're out on your own. The first, yeah. the first feeling of that individual is great. Yeah. Look, I'm free. Yay. And then, literally, four days later, it's, oh no, I'm free. <laughs> what, what? There's nothing there for me. Mm-hmm. In the old mm-hmm. days, you know, DCF or DSS was when I was there. Yeah. Would say, hey, look, you, we, we offered you these services, and you know, mm-hmm. those are a particularly vulnerable group of people. Are the, would they be uh, folks mm-hmm. that we'd be able to offer those? Oh, services? absolutely. We're going to have a full-time transition coordinator as part of this model, and one of the things that person will be available to do is really talk to the young people about what are their goals, what are their needs. Um, are there people that can that are already supporting them or they want support from, and can we put a team together to work with you towards your goals? And that will be anything from employment to housing to a, a referral for mental health counseling yeah. um, and everything in between. Yeah. Um, but I, I do see you know, what we've already thought about in terms of what the center is going to have to offer as a fit for those youth. In particular, we're going to have laundry on site. We're going to have showers on site. We're going to have hygiene products. We're going to have a small food pantry and clothing pantry so that the things they may need in, in, initially – um, we'll have available for them. Yeah, meeting the needs of what they are when they walk through the door is right. so important. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in. I can detect the excitement in, in your voices. And actually, Kathy, when I remember the first meeting we had about this, I knew that yes. the, I thought we're going to get this because Kathy is about as enthusiastic <laughs> as a human being could possibly be about this. <laughs> I am. I can't help it. It brings me back to the beginning of my social work career. I've worked with young adults from the very beginning, and they're, they're my favorite population. <laughs> Don't tell anybody else. <laughs> I'll keep that quiet. <laughs> so thank you very much for coming in, guys. It was lovely to hear from you. And Really excited about the uh, the new center uh, opening soon. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. That was great. Um.